for our audio listeners, I want to apologize in advance for the trashy sound I had. For some reason, in, in some way, I actually forgot one mic and we actually had one mic to work with. So I recorded from my earphones. I had to make do with what I had. In any case, enjoy. Right, another episode, another day, another guest. Uh, we are in a quite cool location, a location I haven't been before. Uh, we actually at Kilani International Raceway. Now, call me a car guy or not, I know I haven't been here before, I should have been here. Uh, Brenda's also expressed his shock um, surrounding this subject, but don't worry about it, he's much more at home at this racetrack than I am. Um, then again, it won't be my last time, don't worry about it. Uh, episode number whatever, it doesn't really matter. We have Brent van Escape with us today, or van Escape, right? Escape on most days, yeah. Okay. Six days out of the seven. Okay. You know what Escape in Afrikaans means? I've known it since I was probably about six years old, so yeah. So yeah. Yes. It's got something to do with something illegal, all right? Yeah, other, that's the other type of Escape. <laughs> no, no, no. Otherwise, Escape is just moved like a car, you know? Oh, okay. Anyway, um, he is from the Instagram page, White Michael Adventures. If you haven't seen this, I actually went to research you and I saw that News24 or Wheels24 rather, had like a recommendation on pages you have to follow. Yeah. And one of the pages was you. The first one was Type 7. Type 7, yeah. Which is a massive page. Yeah, they're legit. And then it's White Knuckle Adventures. Yeah, I'm sorry that I didn't get number one. Though. <laughs> yeah, come on. It's a South African page, <laughs> as it should be. Um, but he is an avid racing driver. He also rides for cars at Ciudad on his off time part. Like, yeah, whenever. On off time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, he does your normal, typical day job, um, which doesn't really matter because he's a racing driver and who doesn't like to be a racing driver. So, Brent, please start off. Where did your passion for cars start? Who are you? What do you do? What do you love about cars? Like, yeah, just give us a, a bit of an intro. The long story. Long story. Jeez, long story is a long, long story. The short story is actually like probably started about like a hundred meters directly away from where that camera is situated. Um, between turn three and turn four at the track um, when I was probably about 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. Uh, my uncle brought me here, watched some touring cars in the 90s um, and I was, I was just fascinated by the sound, by this, uh, this, this overwhelming for a little kid, like this, this feeling of like, like vis visceral connectivity to like this car that was just doing its thing and it was so loud and boisterous in your face and i was just sitting there holding this uh this chain fence sorry mike um holding this chain fence chain link fence and like gripping it and it's always been a symbolic sort of like reference point for me is that i think of this ch chain fence it was so loud and scary actually as a kid but you were so entangled by it, and you were getting getting close but not too close yeah. and then that's where it started it was just like okay cool like seed was planted and then it was i had the posters up on my wall it was all signed by all the guys that you like you probably don't know it's just like guys that like do day jobs today but they were like they were cult car hero yeah. legends of their time and um you know you probably heard of self and Mavo, or you heard of like those type of cats like janelle de villiers that race in yeah. dakar you think like man these guys are special but they were year they were year like they that's what they did here so then that's where it started and then it kind of just went from there into like a whole different spiel but i wasn't always car car like oriented i was like kind of like business oriented at first okay. so uh yeah i was kind so of 
I was typical career guy because it actually didn't know like what it was that was directing me in life. It was, I think, like a lot of kids are like impressionable growing up and you were kind of like, you guided by your parents and your parents kind of tell you like, well, this is what you need to do, what you don't need to do. And they kind of guide you because you don't have that voice yet. And then you slowly start developing and things feel good. Things feel like really good about certain things. And eventually you realize, shit, this is in a in a light that kind of like just gets uh, switched on and then all of a sudden you realize, okay, cool. Sitting at a bar, I think it was like three years ago and three, four years ago and it was an ex-colleague of mine. We were sitting, we were having a whiskey and I said like, cool, I really wanted to start this Instagram page and um, I, I don't know what's going to come from it, but like, I don't know if I do it, if I need to do it or not. But anyway, so she said to me straight up, she's like, why don't you just do the first post right now? You got, you got photos, why don't you just go do it? And I was like so apprehensive because it's sort of like a, it's a very exposing community. Uh, you know, you're scared to take a first plunge and like, I think people don't need to be scared. Just go and post stuff, you know, like share what your passion is. And then I did that. And then that just started like snowballing into something. And then, uh, yeah, man, like the journey just went into like weird directions and it was more of a follow your gut type thing. Um, and the more that I followed my gut, the more that it just led me into situations that like provided like this positive reinforcement the whole time. Um, but yeah, that's the, the short story. I think there's lots of like evidence along the way. Um, but yeah, that's the short story. So was it always, was it always racing that intrigued you or was it cars in general? Because I, you're telling me the story about, you know, what happened at the track and how you're just so intrigued and all these guys were racing. But was it racing or, or was it, cars in general? it was a little bit of everything. I think that like any kid growing up, I think you were exposed by many different elements. Like I remember growing up, like um, I was working probably like three or four jobs at the time, like uh, in school and high school and whatever. And the Fast and Furious franchise came out and then that happened. And then you were like Paul Walker, RIP. To the good man. Yeah. We actually had a really good conversation about somebody that's got an R34, that's, that's got a gearbox being rebuilt down the road here at the moment. Now we're doing oh, a story yeah. of next, uh, yeah, a, a V-spec. Hey, I'm so excited about this. But yeah, so that was like, I was exposed by that. And then it was like, I saw it and I was like, and then I saw like Jesse driving this, um, this uh, Mark III um, Jetta. Yeah. And I was so fascinated by this Jetta. And then I picked up these magazines like Max Power or whatever the story was over the weekend. And I'd go and I'd, and I'd write out all the things that I'd want done to my dream car. But it was a Mark III Jetta. <laughs> That's so cool. And I'd go write like, what it would cost and like all this. And then I'd work towards this. But I knew that like actually, like I didn't grow up with money like at all. Like I'd, I was like, I wouldn't say I was like poor, but like. You know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't like, like a very like privileged um, like kid growing up. But in my mind, I was like, I was, I was romancing with this dream. But I realized like you could, you could do things like that. You could go and achieve. And I wrote all these things out. And it was this massive long list. And it came up to a very large number. And it was so scary. I was like, I could never afford this. And then slowly but surely, it got to the point where I was like, let me just go do things. And then, then I bought a mini. Um, and the oh, mini. No, no, no. Yeah, like the original Mini. Oh, uh, the original Mini. Yeah, yeah, Austin yeah. Mini. Yeah, no, not Austin. It was a Leyland, British Leyland. Um, and uh, not to sound too boomerish, obviously, but like obviously I know my stuff about the old old stuff. But like, um, yeah, and I just I learned my trade on this thing and I, and I worked on it like every weekend and I fell in love with it. But I still had this Jetta uh, like in romance in my mind and it was kind of weird because it was like, 
I didn't end up owning the Jetta, and I ended up owning something newer, which is the Polo. But yeah. like, it was still like, I don't Not know. Even I thought it was a Jetta that you were amazing about, like dream car, you know, racing car, like Jetta, like just doesn't suit. I yeah, like I mean, like I think like also like you go through these weird like like ebbs and troughs of like of like what you love and like what you think you like versus like what you end up loving. I mean, like for instance, I got the Mini, um, and. With the mini I got given uh, by my mom, actually, she gave me, like, a whole bunch of, like, mini world magazines. And the, obviously the British scene is just, oh, man, they've just done amazing stuff. And they've, like, inspired the world in terms of, uh, like, and the, the, the mini has just been an amazing mark. It's just been an amazing brand. And I looked through this also, and then eventually I had the same story with this. And I, I went and I was, like, cool, modifying this mini in my mind. But at the end of the day, it's, like, I realized like, this is also very expensive because you're paying in British pounds all the time. And, but I just went, I went, and I had a, it was probably, like, my first car. And I just, I still have it. So it's, mini. yeah. So it was your first car, still have it today. It's, yeah, it's sitting in a garage. So, so what happened was that, um, and that's interesting because that's the segue to, I suppose, this car, the race car, is that, that car eventually I stripped down completely. I stripped it down. It was a Saturday afternoon that a friend of mine came around and we just said to each other, like, cool, we're just going to strip this car down. And, I mean, like, that's what you do on a Saturday afternoon, right? Uh, you strip a whole car down. And then I got done, like, Saturday evening. Like, it was, like, 9, 10 o'clock at night. And I looked at it and I was like, what now? Like, <laughs> it's like, it was like, that was the easy bit. Like, like what do you do now? Um... And then it was, it was just a kind of process of going, cool, I find some service, service providers that are going to help me out with certain things. You get messed around a lot by the Cape Town community or by the community in general. Guys take your money, they don't offer service. And it's just like a, a, like a weird process, you know. But you learn and I think you grow a little bit. And eventually the car got resprayed. Uh, and then I started rebuilding the motor of the car, which is something that I've always wanted to do. And, uh, and then I rebuilt the gearbox and uh, I found a motor actually, a modified motor, it was a 1361cc, which is like, the car's very hot. It's got like a lot of power. Uh, head's been gas flowed ported, got side drafts. It's got all the right bits and pieces yeah. like from that retro style that actually makes something very intoxicating. And the motor I found, it belonged to a guy, uh, it's quite an interesting story, but like it belonged to a guy that actually wrote for, um, uh, it was Hustler magazine in the 90s. So, uh, you know, Hustler magazine yeah. with the the, the, the the tasteful pics. But, like, that's obviously for a different story. But, like, they, they this guy, and it was actually weird because, like, he wrote and he was testing at the time. It was, like, a, a some Kawasaki, but, like, it was some super fast, like, super bike. And he ended up writing the bike off and himself. Sad story. Um, along the west coast somewhere and um, what had happened was that this this guy that was a father-son project and they were building this really quick mini estate and he just fell out the father obviously had fall, fallen out of love with the project because of, of the fact that he was doing it with his kid and and then he said to me straight up he said like cool can, you can take like a whole bunch of bits like you can take it at, like a really good price and that and I, and I said to him like you know what like fair enough like Okay, cool. I'll do that. And then I took it, and then I decided, cool, we're gonna finish my car, but like show it to him, and like that's gonna be the thing. And it happened. But then it was, I broke a gearbox. I stripped this gearbox and I rebuilt it, and then I ended up like tightening up the last bolt of a complete gearbox, and I broke it. And it was a very expensive mistake. 
And then that's where I landed up with a guy called Dennis Nathan, um, who is the son, or sorry, he's the dad of the um, guy that actually built this car, this race car. And the Nathans are, are well known in South Africa and production car racing um, uh, because Dennis's son, Graham, is the most successful um, production car racer in, oh. in South Africa. He's like, I think he won a like, championship like seven or eight times. What does he race? Uh, he doesn't race anymore though but like he raced he raced um, GTC um, the Jetta in GTC and then the GTI before that and then before the GTI he raced the um, Seat so before Seat left South Africa he won the the championship for Seat I think it was like two years in a row Um, and he's a very accomplished guy I mean they're very intense family but they know this stuff um and they, they, they are super intelligent and they build really quick cars yeah. and they know what they're doing. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That's how I actually bought this car after seeing that it was like attached to him uh, somehow. Like, I was like, cool, like, I got it. Dude. So, this car was fully built and then you bought it from there? Uh, yeah, so what happened was that I, I'd finished the Mini and I was like, we had rebuilt the motor and we we're driving the car and everything. And then the car, the Mini actually caught a light. Mm. And I was uh, running in the motor and then. It was, um, yeah, it's cars, old, it's old cars. And, um, and I was in a basement and I was trying to start this thing up and it backfired and there was a valve that had bent and spewed fuel inside and just like, yeah, and then I you know, extinguished it and we got the head rebuilt again, car was driving and then I said to him like, look, like, I, don't, I don't think I can go through this again like with the old car, like I can't go through this. The car was built for Jim Carnes, so it's got like all the like, right bits and pieces in it, it's like it's highly modified. Um, but I said like, like I actually, the car takes a lot of strain for Jim Carnes. The car does take a lot of strain, but those old cars actually are like, it's just, I'm worried about the motor. I can't rebuild a motor like that again. It's just, it's, it, it, it becomes like a very costly exercise. Not that these things are any cheaper, but anyway, um, I then, I said to him like, look, I want to maybe start go-karting. So I'll maybe start getting to D2, the um, karting. And, and he said to me like, look, he said to me very, like in all earnest, um, karting, like you're probably a little bit old for karting. You're probably gonna get very hurt as well, like if you crash and everything. I was like, yeah, I get you. And then the one, and then the one Saturday afternoon, I was just like on Gumtree, as like one does, like whenever you're watching something on car related, and then all of a sudden you go onto the classifiers, you and Cosa Cosa, you and like any sort of like classifiers, you're like, you're searching for something. You're like looking for it. You're looking for like an old like, like Volvo or like an old Honda Civic VTEC or like just something, just something that you saw and you like just go search for it and like whatever. And then I just searched race car. <laughs> like what's the, the the most natural thing i just felt inspired and then i saw graham nathan polo cup um classic and i was like this is the non-jetta jetta that i always tuned out and it was this guy and then i was like and then i messaged the guy and then the problem is when you message the guy the problem is it actually starts a process no that you've already decided it's already, it's already become something. Yeah. It's, the rest of it is all formalities. There's no willpower. There's nothing. Working against it. No, you, no, you no. Going. The stars align, the stars align, the birds sing. And you are just going with it. Yeah, it's yeah. Song and you just go. Yeah, and you, you're opening up new credit facilities with ABSA, Nedbank, and this one and that one. And you're like, all right, cool. Like, YOLO and Apollo. And like, that's basically what it was. And then the Sunday afternoon, it was quite interesting because I'd come watch, I'd, like come to watch some racing this weekend that weekend actually and i was sitting like 
round turn one and a guy, uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan Hubert, uh, we mates today, interesting, and he crashed his car that weekend. Wrote it off around turn three, the magnet. And um, wrote his car off and he was looking for a new car to buy. And he had approached the same guy, but I'd approached the same guy first. And basically it was like a little thing between the two of us. Uh, and we were putting out the same garage, so it was like, I felt the pressure and I was like, that Sunday afternoon, it was late afternoon and I just said like, oh, you know, and I was on my internet banking and I was like, just set up that thing and just close your eyes and you just click go and then it went and then I was like, oh well, I got, I have a POP for a race car, I don't have a race car yet, the guy could run off with my money and the car. Yeah. I was like, no, but he didn't, he served, he served it right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So this car as it stands here, what has been done to it from... I don't even want to name it a normal Polo Classic, but besides the fact that it's totally stripped out and there's nothing on the inside, in terms of the motor suspension, mm. inner workings, what has been done to it? Uh, well, firstly, A, they try and get it as light as possible. So they take out every little bit that you don't need. And there's a lot of stuff on a, on a car that you actually don't need. And lightness equals fast. Like, that's just what it is. It's the whole thing you behind I know exactly what it weighs. It weighs about like 1021 with me in it. Uh, so less than a ton without you. Without me in it, and I need to lose weight in order for it to be lighter. So yeah, anyway, that's a different that, no, that's a different story for another day. Hey, I'm pulling my stomach for the rest of this, but like, um, it's it's yeah, it's so the, you strip out everything. You just take out everything that you don't need. This thing's got power steering. It's got power assisted brakes. Um, it's got the right bits and pieces in it. Um, they shave these cars. So a lot of things, like quite an interesting bit of information is they actually shave these cars. They take off, the car's got, once you take off all the excess pieces, you can actually go and cut the car. So if you jump inside, you'll see that the inside's been cut and like all the excess bits and pieces of metal, they will cut. And part of the chassis itself? Part of the body of the, the car, of the yeah. Car. And uh, because the manufacturer, when it comes off the floor uh, for manufacturing, a lot of these things are motorsport shells where they go and do that themselves. Yeah. But a road car, for instance, they will have excess bits and pieces they of metal. No, it's just it's just part of the mold that gets uh, made, and then they just it's it's not part of their process to go and cut it. But for racing, you want to get rid of all that excess weight. So part of this process is going strip the whole thing like you strip all the little pieces cuts away and eventually you add all those little pieces of 100 grams here 100 grams there it becomes 10 kilograms 15 kilograms 20 kilograms um even to the point where you don't put on all the paint you just maybe put on like i don't know like one coat and a top yeah. coat type thing and an undercoat um all sorts of tricks i mean the wheels for uh, the wheels the wheels in this car for instance um these are lightweight lenzos and the, the standard Lenzos that are technically lightweight, that are not standard wheels, they weigh like four kilograms more. So, and that's in total. Yeah. So, unsprung weight versus sprung weight, that's, that's another technical thing, but yeah. like essentially, like, like it becomes a big number and it's a, and it's a sum of parts yeah. in the whole time. So you, you try and like cut where you can, like wherever, yeah. Yes, that's interesting. So, this car, how many races do you have you raced with this? How long have you been to race? So, so this particular car, I've actually like, I've, I've made a bit of an effort to actually go and and ask all the guys that raced before, like what the history was, because you know, ideally you want to know. It's like sometimes, 
sometimes dating a girl that you don't want to know. <laughs> is that yeah but like you just want to know for just comfort's sake just yeah. to understand like what it's been through because this thing could have been in a massive shunt that it's crabbing and it's like, whatever but like you don't want that or it could have been around like it could have been on this roof around the track it's just like it's one of those things but this this has had a fairly protected life and no disrespect to the previous race car drivers and like that owned it you kind of want you kind of want a race car driver that owned it that wasn't fast yeah, yeah. because they were more pacifying they were more chill they were I'm more that yeah you don't want someone that's like gun-ho and that's like yeah. uh that there's a there's a number of race car drivers that you don't yeah. want to buy a car from around this place but um you know i i had bought it from 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 a from a history of buyers that actually were more respectful you know like and and they were very good and they were like and they did what they needed to do but it wasn't like it wasn't anything like bad it was a good car really good car okay. still is yeah probably i can guess you know how much power it kicks on yeah uh it should be pushing out about 105 kilowatts on the wheels um because we we we, we in, in the series we, we 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 drive according to regulation i can't put out more than that so uh, I think at the moment we're about 96 kilowatts. Yeah. Uh, it's low on power. Um, it's got about 177 newton meters of torque, and torque is, torque is ideally what you want to be chasing as kilowatts. But kilowatts does make a difference. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna change we're gonna change some stuff now because like it's it, it needs to be up. I'm not like uh, I'm kind of like lagging behind the guys in the front now. And it's like yeah. it's not just because of driver driver skill. It's like yeah. I still need to improve, but like the car is a little bit slow. Yeah, no, I must say, like, I'm very intrigued. As I told you now, I basically don't know a lot about racing and racing cars. Like, if you'd ask me all about this car's engine and what needs to change for racing, it, I can't tell you anything. Mm. So, I am very interested in terms of how things change to become what it is now, mm. what needs to adapt, what it's capable of. And even a, a simple polo classic race car like this is capable of so much more than we can actually think. Like, it's not your typical road car anymore it's actually so much more and mm. sometimes i think with racing the outside guy will presume you know uh, i don't know you probably need a 500 horsepower car like a gt4 club sport or something to even make it enjoyable in terms of racing but i mean people make the most amazing races and spectacles out of racing minis or seats if you said at polo so I have a lot of respect for racing drivers, even though I don't really have a clue about what they do. Mm. Um, but I also wanted to ask you a bit about racing and racing culture in South Africa. I don't know how much experience I have or knowledge I have of racing overseas and how it is in South Africa in com comparison. Um, but where is South African racing at at the moment? Um, yeah. We're, we are lagging. I think, I think the, 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 the general industry at the moment, well, racing in South Africa is dead. Um, I, think, I don't think it's out. I think a lot of people will agree with me in saying that it is dead. Um, but I do want to come back to what you mentioned about like, your, like the fascination around a GT4 or, and a club sport or whatever the story might be. It's like, I think like my, my outlook in life, I'm going to get your question, is like my outlook has always been, why must you wait? Like, go and work and like strive and it's like like social media has always created this whole thing where you got to go and work and you got to go the only thing that's cool is a as a LaFerrari or a like a p1 or like a we we are always 
we are so and, and, and we we say that oh we'll go get, if we get this car we'll just go thrashing around like it's impossible you drive a supercar a supercar is actually like incredibly demanding a performance car is incredibly demanding it sucks every bit of energy and skill that you've got you cannot drive it till it's like nth degree it's not even the best racing car drivers in the world struggle with that i mean you watch like the neo rosberg um the nico rosberg um videos with that and like that guy drives that like p1 or, or the what is he what does he drive what is that latest thing that he drives around like a, that track close to monaco that um no 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 actually man it was, it was one of the ferraris but like oh the is 90 I think so. I, I can't remember. But like, he's struggling even with that. But he, that guy can drive, you know. And like, he's a Formula One car driver. And like, your normal everyday millionaire, multi-millionaire, multi-billionaire actually doesn't have that ability. Um, so the thing is, for me, is also was like, what could you afford at the time? Uh, I could go afford um, a Polo that cost forty-nine thousand rand. Yes, you spend three times that amount on a on an average season because race cars are all about maintenance not about actual initial like all-in cost um but what were you going to enjoy more in the beginning like were you going to wait for something that possibly would never ever transpire being a very expensive supercar or were you going to get into something that you were going to enjoy and this for me has been a gateway into performance driving that was like i would never have gotten so I never, I romanced about the cool stuff, but I was like, let's be practical about it, you know? And at the end of the day, I think if you own this car for like 10 years, you probably could buy a, like a 997 GT3. That's a sad part about it. But you know what? Like you got more experience by your name. Cool. So back to your question about the racing scene in South Africa or motorsport in South Africa versus the rest of the world. Um, I think what we need to realize is that because of our geographical location, um, there's a lot of factors at play. Okay, our geographical location like says a lot. Um, manufacturers says a lot as well. Like the scene in motor- motoring in general says a lot. Um, the fact that like motoring, the motoring world is has been turned on its head over the past few years. There's been all this talk about EV transformation. There's been like the the ice engine, obviously black facing extinction, being pressed by a lot of emission saga rules in in the EU and the states and diesel gate from Volkswagen and all of that jazz and the reason why they got to send a RD3 or whatever that thing is to Pikes Peak to go beat yeah. it you know it's always funny um, but it's 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 I think there's so many factors at play that impact it uh, I think that if I look at the racing scene in South Africa there's been a massive vacuum over the years because the old guard or the old guys that 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 come here or don't come here anymore um, tend to complain about the fact that it's not the same and it's not the same nothing's ever the same times do change and you know this is life um, but there's been way too much change and people have not been receptive to it to move with the times um, and they became so romanced with like 90s touring cars that I, like it's weird because I, I I did this whole interview thing with with um, with Dion Joubert, a touring car legend. He raced around the world with like all like the big cats like in Europe and like and that. And he kind of said something interesting to me. He said like touring cars killed the scene. They were so good, they were so good and so exciting mm-hmm. that it was like and manufacturers were spending stupid amount of money yeah. to keep this thing going, and it was actually so impractical. 
And if you look at the series that run today, or TCR, for instance, in Europe, or Polo Cup, or whatever the story might be, is that it's, it's, it's still expensive. It's very expensive, and it's not that realistic. It's like, it's, it's, if you look at production car racing from Pass or Group N, it was like a road car with road tires on. You could, like, there's stories about guys renting cars from places and racing it that weekend in a Group N race, putting stickers on it and to go race. So that's the format of racing, and we've lost that. Uh, we've lost that completely. We're in a different state now where guys romance about GT3 racing, and GT3 racing is actually stupidly expensive. It's, it's crazy to buy a car. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, like, and, 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 in, and generally racing around the world is, is customer-led. So it's the guys that have got businesses. It's the guys that, like, sacrifice their paychecks. It's the guys that go and do this. And even in your local grassroots level, it's the same story. It's the guys that go and, like, use their paychecks to go and spend on racing. If you go to TCR, you look at how many privateer teams versus how many um, factory teams, you'll notice that there's not many factory teams. And that's in Australian um, TCR, it's in the European stuff. And even if you look at, like, GT3 racing or even prototype racing, if you go to, like, Le Mans, for instance, a lot of lot of private teams drive that sport and um i mean you look at like Audi, for instance pulled out of gt3 uh or aston martin but they're still supporting privateer teams what does that tell you it tells you that there's a lot of rich guys out there that are keeping motorsport alive obviously covid's that is play but there are still guys with money that are still doing it so yeah I, like it's 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 driven by money and unfortunately in south africa at the moment there isn't too much money for for that sort of thing. Yeah. I just think like maybe motorsport is, it's one of those sports where of course it's very expensive to get in and keep going, but maybe it's just like, you know, in a rational way you can say, what's the point, you know? Okay, rugby, soccer, you know, any other sport, which is also a sport like motorsport, you know, those things are much more accessible and easier to get into, much more people can play it. when you look at Formula One drivers, and I know this is way out of the spectrum now, but just as an example, your Formula One drivers, there are 20 drivers in the top league of the world. When you look at soccer, like Premier League, you know, there's more than, there's 20 teams, you know, with all their whatever. And those guys start at age five, you know, sacrificing basically their whole lives, not doing anything else but just racing. And I think that sacrifice is what keeps people away from racing, even at grassroots level. Like, you have to spend a lot of money on your car and on fixing it and on racing. And it's not like you're sponsored or anything. Like, okay, oh, you may now and then have a small sponsor, but this is not something that is like, yeah, you know, I'll be covered for life. Like, don't worry about it. There's still a lot of sacrifice and it sort of keeps you on your toes also. So I think money also definitely, but money can't buy you passion you still need to have guys that are interested in going into it that are able to sacrifice and willing to sacrifice you know drivers that are saying i don't care about the money i just want to go race um people like you guys i think of course you still do a day job and whatever but you have a lot of passion for this um so i think that leads on to my next question do you see yourself going further in racing um or is just is this just something that'll stay a hobby if you want to call it that or do you self yeah. Yeah, I think like up until probably about like four hours ago, I was I was always thinking that I was going to get that spare seat next to Bottas, um, but then 
Yeah, old uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton. Oh, I was going to get the cornrows and like the, the tough neck tats as well yeah, and yeah. go and do it. So, yeah, a little bit bleak about that. Um, Optimism hoodie. Like, Optimism hoodie. I was going to go the whole whole shebang and like yeah, start, my, start my own label, to take my dog with me where, like wherever I go around the world. Well, yeah, I'll probably just branch out a little bit, but I wouldn't go exactly cookie cut like that. But like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'd go, I'd, I'd do a spin off, like a little bit of a collab with oh, those yeah. cats. Yeah. Um, no, so I don't think, I think to be realistic, I think you gotta, you gotta decide upon what you want to chase. Um, you know, like, so the guy, the real, I think the guys that like are super genuine and authentic about the passion will be very realistic about what they want to do. Um, so for instance, I started and I got into Clubman's Racing. Clubman's Racing is a kind of, and I hate the term, but they use the term run what you brung. All various different manufacturers from Nissans to Toyotas to Volvos to whatever. They're all there, Volkswagen, whatever. BMWs, lots of BMWs. And, um, and eventually I realized oh, you evolved through that. I did like, I think a year and a bit of that. And then I decided, cool, I want, wanted more like I wanted a more real sort of like experience. So I went over to GTR Challenge and GTR Challenge is, is um, you got 105 kilowatts. You can only use 10 tires in a year. You can um, only use a, like a, I don't know, a certain diameter brake disc. You can only run this. You can only use this, you know? You got to run. It's 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 very standard. You can't run fuel cells, for instance. You got to use a standard fuel tank. You got to use this. So you can't use plex like lexing glass. You know, like you got to use normal glass. You have to use glass. Like it's got to be like a real road car. Obviously, my, there's a there's a dispensation rule that says that you can use lexing if you're overweight. And this car is overweight. We decided like it's it's a bit of a big goal. So yeah, still needs loving though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and you kind of like, you get realistic about that, but like if you wanted a more pure uh, experience, if you wanted that, you chase those type of things. And then like recently I like chased the, the like whole Lotus 7 thing. So I started um, like at a conversation with some guys up country about like maybe testing a Lotus 7. And that's obviously the ultimate. The Lotus 7 guys are just, they're, they're cut from a different thing. And when they sell their souls to that brand, it's for a valid reason and that's kind of like where i go i understand why they do it but like i'm kind of like i want a little bit of everything i mean if you had to give me a super truck to test i i would love to do that you know like it's just like you want i want variation i'm just that type of guy but like i i got to the point where i was like cool what is the next step and like i mean ideally like i'd love to do a a season of polo cup it's not like so so stupidly out there but like when you crunch the numbers and you look at it it's like if you get some guys on board that are willing to pay some money, it's like their money to them. It's all relative. It's like it doesn't actually seem that much to them. Mm. If you put it together, they're willing to put some money behind somebody that can actually pedal a car. Not that I can pedal a car. I'll just be making up the numbers. But I'll just be, you know, like that for me would be like an amazing experience to just go and like drive a polo cup at a national level, like ultimately. Yeah, I think, yeah. Definitely. I think it's very, like, it's definitely a good idea to still just keep going, even though you don't make it somewhere even I. Mm. Um, just a pure enjoyment level. And I think the community also built, these are guys who, as you said, cut from a different cloth. Like, mm. very, very passionate, uh, very enthusiastic guys about what they do. 
um, very serious about what they do also but also the type of guys you can probably go have a beer with afterward you know and, and chill and, and make friends and everything but on a totally different spectrum and I know you want to chat about this and I'm also quite enthusiastic about it is car culture and car culture yeah car culture or you know worldwide but I think in South Africa it's a bit different than than, your, than what we perceive from overseas YouTube and, and social media everything um, but maybe sort of give your point of view your opinion on car culture a yeah. bit of insight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's not as not as different as what you possibly would like give yourself allowance to believe um, compared to the rest of the world I think car culture does symbolize a lot of socioeconomic um, situations um, and not to get too deep in that whole thing but I mean like you've got a lot of like race like differences um, despite what anybody wants to say I mean like there are certain cars that tie everybody together I mean if you pull up if you pull up anywhere with a 3 to 5 IS it's like everyone is gonna lose their stuff for that like it's just gonna be like one of those conversation yeah. pieces like I don't care who you are you know you 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 lose it for that but then there are other cars I mean that 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 are specific to like certain cultures or certain whatever and or the way that we do up cars or the way that we go in like like modify or we do this it's like there is like a lot of there are a lot of those issues that kind of come out in those type of like um like sort of assessments of like what car culture is i mean like you've got cape town for instance who is so cosmopolitan in so many different ways and that's very reflective on the car culture and there's so much defragmentation like in any like way of form yeah. that you've got like if you go to Gatesville and go for Gatsby like which I advise I highly advise I mean like you go there and it's amazing it's so it's so rich it's such a rich car culture there everyone drives a Honda or a or a Nissan or like a like like a you know like whatever and there's like those certain things or if you go to Balville and Balville's got like all the guys with the 4ST's man like everyone in Balville's driving a 4ST Hey. Yeah, Fiesta ST, dude. Like, yeah, man. He's got, and he's probably got like a monster sticker at the back as well. Yeah, no, 100%. They are great cars. Amazingly, like, stiff chassis and like that thing can handle like anything, man. But like, it, it, it's funny how it goes. And, and unfortunately, there's so much like, um, there's a serious part about it, but there's so much actual, actual like separation and like, um, like disparity between like common views although we all love cars like it's the way that like I project my view on you for instance not that I I, I don't do that I, like I, I'm against that but like the guy with the alpha would be like what are you doing there you know like what are you doing like just because you don't do the thing that I do in terms of owning an old GTV or lusting over an old GTV it means that you're wrong I'm right because I like it or the Porsche, the Porsche community, for instance, don't even go there. Like, like don't even go. They're cool guys. I mean, like you hang out at the Porsche club. Yeah, the most of the guys are really, really cool. Yeah. But like, there are some that are not so cool. Yeah. And that's just like I think indicative of like, like I don't know, like just weirdness in car culture. And like, no one, like there isn't solidarity. Like that's the sad part about it. Like there isn't like you can't go to an event and everyone gets along well with each other. But I think certain things like the the sense, sentimental thing that 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 Hannes does, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. But like, 
it's again like like it's i like that i think that's like one of the few few things that actually bring people together like you get some guys with like old like e30s and like old like fords and all what it like with new cars that like come together and it's like a cool little moment that's like a nice little like sort of golden thread in the whole thing but generally car culture like it's just indicative of like a very separate community base and no one's actually no one's actually bringing anyone together but they're all judging they're all just like they're just projecting the whole time and i think majority of the time just thinking of let's say porsche club you know i don't want to assume anything or generalize rather but you know even if you are part of ferrari culture or porsches or your uh, jdm club or whatever um those cars and whatever they like that's their pride and joy but a lot of time it's it's also a status kind of thing like you know i have a gd3 like mm. go away with your ballad you know mm. or you know i drive this ferrari 430 like i don't want to hear with your mx5 or your rx7 or whatever you know so i think there's i think the higher up you go it's it's more like that i think status becomes more of a thing um but it is quite sad and i i of course i'm very young and i don't have a lot of experience in car culture in south africa but that is a quite common theme you see so there's a community near where i stay which basically they are jdm crazy they only drive on double odds or um, old mess no it's Ardas valley in Stellenbosch. so they basically only drive um old japanese cars and a lot of the time it's the same sort of modifications they put on so yeah. spaces yeah take out the suspension <laughs> like not even lowering like taking out the suspension yeah. um and just low riding and everything but then on the other hand come more towards cape down waterfront you know it's just full-on performance car mm. um sort of look and feel and you know in the first place cars like sport like anything else should be something that is a mutual interest that just brings you together yeah and i think in racing like I don't know if it's any different in racing, but you know whether you have a Polo Classic or you race uh, a GT3 or a Challenge, a Ferrari Challenge, you know, four eight, whatever it may be. Like you're still racing, you still sort of have the same passion. Why are you letting status or money or a sort of this like class level get into it? Um, yeah, I think that that's just something you're not gonna get people convinced of. Yeah, look, I, I don't think it stops just at the car culture thing, even at, at like with, with road cars. It goes into racing. I think they're like motoring in general is, is very much so ego driven. And ego doesn't just stop at a, like on the street. It comes, it's even worse on the racetrack. Um, you know, that divide or that, uh, that sense of like, I don't know, I'm better than you or what I do is better than you is even more pre- prevalent like on the racetrack. Um, it's difficult when you're not that way inclined and you're not that like sort of ego central like type of human being that you like kind of you, you struggle to like sort of like process the type of thing because you kind of go like oh it's like why can't everybody just get along yeah. but it's not the case it's yeah. definitely not the case and there's a lot worse possibly on the racetrack but like yeah i don't know man it's just like uh, yeah it's like you wish everybody could get along but unfortunately it's not it's not like that man yeah. i mean like i ended up selling my porsche I didn't own really? a, I didn't own a Porsche. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. I got to drive a GT3 once. Was the one seven, uh, you know, dot one or dot two? 
Jeez. <laughs> no, no. But I don't. I drove a nine 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 seven point one. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. GT three, GT three. Yeah, but there's nothing normal about any Porsche though. That, no, like, no, no, no. Uh, um, damn man, ah, oh, jeez. The thing of Porsche is, I'm a massive Porsche fan, and the thing of Porsche is, every like, especially in 911 range, like every model variant gives you sort of the taste of what's it like in the higher variant. Mm. Like in Drive Carrier S, it does give you a taste of the GT3. Yeah. Okay, your modern your modern 992s and everything with the three liter turbocharged and then. Yeah, swapping over to the four liters like that's a bit of a bigger difference. Yeah, but uh, you drive a Porsche and you're like it's so like it's just Porsche. Like there's no, you know, there's no two ways about it, and you can sort of get an idea of how it is in the higher like model levels also. So that's what I love about Porsche. Problem is once you go GT3. Oh no! It's just there. There, that's motoring utopia. That is the peak of the peak. Yeah. Um, in racing, in road car. No, it's just like. I think in general, just experience. Everything about that car just screams experience. Um, and they talk about the whole like mechanical grip thing and then you actually go and thrash it out. You're like, wow, okay, cool. Like I could actually just turn this thing in and it's just gonna sit there forever. It's like nothing that you drive after that's gonna be the same. It's just like, like, I don't know how they got it right, but they just get it right all the time. It's like, it's sad that I can't buy one. It's really sad. Did you see that video um, that Chris Harris and Golf Fiction did with uh, the head of the GT division at yes. Porsche? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they basically yeah, we went to this garage with all the GT... Oh, my word. No, that's, that's... That was a bit too much for me. That's what? ultimate stuff, that, man. And, like, I think I think if you can just taste it and enjoy, like, that type of car, yeah. you'll have a fresh perspective as to, like, what's really important and, like, yes. and, like what the level is. Like, that. that's the ultimate. Yeah. That's the ultimate. Okay, I have uh, a few quick five questions. Sure, sure, sure. So I'm going to ask like five or six questions. Okay. Uh, I don't want to say answer the first thing that comes into your head. Mm. Maybe think about it. But anyway, I'm just going to ask it then. Let's go for it. Okay, Let's so go. the first one. What's the quickest car you've ever driven? Polo. Oh, <laughs> no, it was the GT3. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Most fun memory in a car. Fun memory and a car. Ah, damn, man. I think it's definitely the polo. <laughs> the polo's taking the wheel. I think every question that every question that you ask me right now, I'm just gonna say polo because okay. it's yeah. Okay, next one. Manual. 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 And then and then and then a manual. But the 997 does have the sequential shifter with the, the, the third little pedal on the left hand side. So that's that's a different ver variation of it. I'd say that's second guess. No. Okay. No. Your, your ideal road trip. Ideal road trip. So the the, the Nürburgring. The Nürburgring. Okay, which car? The Polo. The Polo. <laughs> okay, but still in uh, in all seriousness, I'd probably want that Yaris GR. Yaris GR. Okay. Yes, sir. Maybe like a digital suspension also. No. Yeah, an influencer, an influencer paid for, but we won't mention anyone's name. No, 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 no. <laughs> like it just we. Don't know no, definitely not. Um, okay. You're the car that you shouldn't like, but you actually do. Hmm. I don't know. An, an old Passat. An old Passat. Oh, but it's in Volkswagen. You can actually like the old Passat. 
Yeah, there was one that was racing on the weekend, actually, a red one. Got pranked up pretty bad, but it looked pretty good while I was doing it. <laughs> that should be such a spectacle. It looks like a yacht. It looks like a yacht, basically. It's this long boat just going around corners. Mm. Okay, and then if you could go to any race, if any sort, mm. in any country, what, what would you attend? Actually, no, because you're a racing driver, which would you race? What's your... Yeah. Which would I race? This is actually cool. That's a cool question. Um, I would like obviously I would do Le Mans. I would I would want to race Le Mans uh, twenty four hour um, in a in a in a prototype car. Okay, and I have to choose the brand. Ah, damn. Well, with the new with the new with the, yeah with the new hybrid hybrid uh, class that's coming in, I think I'll probably go like I'd go Toyota. Toyota. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think the... Or Polo. Or, well, <laughs> Hybrid Polo, oh, LMP1. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with Le Mans, didn't they want to bring in like a hypercar class? Yeah, they are. It starts this year. Yeah. Yeah, so LMP one's no more. Um that's done now. And the hybrid um LMP H and there's another class coming in that Porsche's race again. But essentially that starts this year. So Toyota's still a probability. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. There are probably about eight manufacturers that have joined. Uh Peugeot's joined. Um and actually Kevin Magnuson signed with Peugeot today, actually. Quite interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah, um, yeah so they're about eight top manufacturers. Audi pulled out of um, Formula E yeah, for it. BMW also. No, yeah, I think BMW. no, BMW hasn't yet. BMW, I don't know what they're doing. But like Who's Audi, Porsche, Porsche pulled out. Porsche pulled out. Porsche. Yeah, Porsche back in, back in Le Mans prototype. And uh, there's uh, Peugeot, Toyota, there's Glickenhaus. Um, there's talk about, well, Aston Martin had the Valkyrie that yeah. they were going to take, but apparently they're pulling out of that because they're going F1. From Mercedes actually <laughs> the one, F1. yeah. Nico Rosberg driving it, how good would that be? Yeah. Or me. Like, well, Nico, Nico can sit and he can do the social stuff. I'll drive the car. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, I'll take, I'll take close second. I mean, you're not a fan of single seaters anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, anyway, I think we've reached our time limit. Um, I want to thank you for joining. Um, I have no idea if the camera is still on, but that's also fine. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for joining. Thank you for watching. I do want to extend a question or request rather. Please take the time. It takes seven seconds to actually rate and quickly review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. What it does, if you like it, actually just brings it up you know, on the noteworthy list so that people can see it. Um, the end goal of this podcast is for people to actually take joy out of it and just, you know, experiencing something exhilarating around their passion for cars um, and spending time on it and gathering communities of car lovers because uh, why wouldn't you have solidarity, you know? Anyway, uh, I want to thank you for joining, Brent. Um, it thank was you. such a cool conversation. Thank you. Even though I didn't chat a lot, it was very cool listening because I don't have a lot of experience chatting about race cars and everything. But thanks to your knowledge, thanks to your experience, thanks to your passion. I think um, you're one of the guys, along with many others, that keeps this passion and this um, sometimes obsession going. Um, but, you know, it's, as we usually say, in a podcast, it's better than doing drugs. So, yeah, it's far more expensive than doing drugs. 
the thing is, we usually say loving cars is cheaper than doing drugs, you know, but that's not comparing apples to apples in any case. I want to thank you for joining. I hope you have a good one. Cheers. <laughs>